Welcome to the sixth episode of ESML 2023 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me this season is the guy who has been known as a knee on the ground with something between his teeth while wearing a cheap pearl necklace, David Bindley. No deal. So you thought that was going to be the banner. Oh no, it's your intro instead. Ah well. Have we had a busy week? Anything you want to discuss? Not really. Like I'm a very, very boring person most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's less fun asking you that question than Logan, where he's like, yeah, I went to Taiwan last week. Yeah. Oh, I'm currently in Hanoi, allegedly. Uh-huh. Even though we know where Logan really is, don't we? Well, funny you mention Hanoi, because after his Vietnamese exploits a couple of weeks ago, he's been tapped to sing for Moldova in the Eurovision Song Contest. He'll be sitting Carmen Abelian against all of the other classics of the 70s and 80s. We were Fraukia, Me and Serie Vasoi Krona, Good Look of Love, Borderline, Live a Line of Prayer... For the Youngest Time, Kokomo Jojo, and for some reason, Angela Grothausen's rendition of Private Sander. <laughs> See, you said I was going to be annoyed by that. I'm actually quite impressed by all of the puns. <laughs> and before you ask, that's Moldova with an M-O-L and Eurovision with a J. Especially as you know how proud I was of the Carmen Abelian joke last week. I know. Which I only thought of when editing, and I'm like, well, Bindles comes and goes on Nabil. Oh, I can see a pun here. Yep. And continuing his run of utterly terrible guesses, allegedly his top two this week are Eric Vanderhoff and Rob Sestanino. Oh, I-, I can buy Rob. Yeah, he does seem like someone who would sabotage everything. Yeah. And basically we're just doing all this so we don't have to talk about this episode, which, I mean, even the biggest Mole fans have already described it as a bit of a filler episode. Yeah, like, I have seen a lot of Mole over the years. Like, maybe... Probably over 500 episodes at this point. And up until US Mall last season, there's only been maybe two or three that I've had to force myself to sit through. This is one of those episodes. Yeah, this is Elba's second coming, basically. I haven't felt like this about a Mole episode since Elba, in terms of one that I've podcasted. Elba at least had things going on. This was nothing for an hour. On the plus side, as I said to you yesterday... We did get rid of a basically nothing character rather than it being a stupid bullshit twist that got rid of one of the big characters of the season. Yep. You know, this episode and last episode was so dull that when when I started watching this episode and they started going on with, with the test, I had genuinely forgotten about it. And I was like, oh yeah, they did that last week. They did that cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... My guess last week was that it was going to be some sort of bullshit twist, like the first team to get there would be immune and all that sort of stuff. It was a bullshit twist, but it it didn't ruin everything. No, I think the the bullshit twist was the least bullshit part of this episode. So previously, Sai and Nabil had a dilemma as they were required to gamble with the majority of the pots. The other four met some locals before a spooky trip to Matches Fontaine, saw personal gain, Trump playing for the group as the pot dropped significantly. The episode ended with Rick promising us a road trip through the Karoo, and no test or execution yet. And as I predicted last week, they did claim that they were still in Matches Fontaine, even though, you know, they're not in Matches Fontaine for pretty much all of the episode. And we don't even get Rick talking at the start. Instead, it's Nabil and Renomi, and he says he finds it weird that her word was wrong at the last challenge in the spooky church. He still wants to give her a yoker, but it has to stay between them, as she is the only person in the season that he trusts. When did they have that discussion? Because... Like, I got the impression they went straight from Rick to the test, and then they went from the test to the driving. So was this before Rick's thing last week? It has to have been, surely. So even the editors realised this was a nothing episode. 
It's monkeying with the timeline, as our friend Anthony Williams likes to say. Yep. Uh, he wants to build trust with her, but he also wants to see how she reacts. He tells her not to put it in her bag, as Daniel apparently likes to rummage. Also a front runner for your intro this week. Uh-huh. I do like a good rummage. And she says in one of the few confessionals she ever gets that she doesn't completely trust Nabil as much as she wants to. There is always a reason that someone gives you a yoker, and it could just be that they are the mole. Are they filming all of the confessionals with like a weird fisheye lens sort of thing this season, or is it just Renomi's? I presume it's just Renomi's. Hmm, it's weird. It is now time for the test. 15 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. And Yura, Anka, and Renomi all have one yoker each. And they are all doing the test together at the same time, which does mean they have to play yokers unseen. And Renomi subtly plays hers. Daniel spreads less because of the yokers. He suspects no one more than he suspects Yura. Yura says Sawyer's risen significantly on his list. His honest word spooked Yura too. He trusts absolutely nobody. Sawyer says so much has happened that he's a little lost. Does he trust people too much? And then we do find out that it is only 15 questions, and once it is complete, they can leave their desk and choose their car. Renomi's main suspect is Soy, but it is just a feeling. Yora was messing around a lot the previous day, and he's often messing around during assignments. It is an obvious tactic. Nabil is on Anchor and Renomi. He still suspects Renomi, which is why he keeps her close, and everyone is still suspicious though. And Anka is on Nabil, Renomi and Soy. Nabil has changed since the beginning. He's heading more into the background, so she just doesn't trust him. I love, love, love that they included that test confessional from Renomi because, you know, Nabil has not been fading into the background. Nabil has been in the background all season long. Mm-hmm. So Anka, Soy and Daniel are in one car, and Renomi, Nabil and Yura are the others. We are finally reminded of the bond between Daniel and Anka, and she says that it's an issue, as it is better when they are apart. Brick finally bothers six minutes in, and tells us a test with limited questions and no execution is suspicious to them, but a two-day road trip will make them less suspicious. They were travelling through the Karoo, along the way they can earn money for the pot, but that money can also be used to buy mysterious chests. The chess asks how confident they are in their suspicions, but will they sense that buying the chest is a bad thing? And the episode title is Agony? Perfect intonation. Thank you. I presume that's just a reference to Nabil going home, by the way. I don't know. Normally you can at least sort of, like, guess what the title is or where it comes into play. This one I have no clue at all. Yeah, it's just really confusing. Hmm. And it is day 11 with the pickup that we don't care about heading through the Karoo. In the other car, Sawyer's worried that someone just might not be there, and they'll never see them again after the execution. Perfect amount of foreshadowing this. There's a lot of really good foreshadowing in this episode, which is about the only thing they get right. I mean, I do say this a little bit later in my notes, but I was pretty much torn between Nabil and Soy, who was going home, because both of them got far more content than they probably should have in this episode. Oh, yeah. Well, they weren't here last week, so they, I think they kind of felt like they had to. So at a junction, the loser car turns off and Anchor stays on the same path, and they find their first challenge, which is a playing field filled with ostrich eggs. All they have to do is walk in eggshells and cross the field using only two planks and eggs in the space of 15 minutes to earn the money that is in the box. So Daniel immediately stands on an egg and it breaks. And the other team find exactly the same challenge, just in a different place. Anchor stands on the plank and doesn't fall through like Daniel did. Renomi, however, does pop an egg. As she gets to the end of the plank, Anchor falls off, breaking an egg and sending her back to the start. And Nabil breaks their second egg, but it doesn't matter. What even were the rules on this challenge? 
I genuinely don't know. I think you had to at least balance the planks on the eggs. Um, and if they broke after that, it didn't really matter. But then obviously you had, you know, to get to the end within the time limit with the amount of eggs you had. Like there weren't any extra eggs if you broke too many. Like I, that's the best I can come up with. It seemed very lax on the rules, this. Yeah. This was nearly as much of a crap challenge as the thing in the sand dunes a couple of weeks ago. And we find out that Soy nearly joined the circus, and this is an assignment for him. They do have a limited number of eggs and need to at least try and place the planks onto them to begin with. At least that's the implication we get. Yora hurries to the end and breaks another egg. Nabil falls off too and they have to start again. And Soy, Daniel and Anka get to the end with a minute to spare and they find a thousand euros in the box. Go good team. Yeah, go good team. Do the car, however, fail and get absolutely nothing. The second stop is the aforementioned mysterious chests. They can take one chest and one chest only, but if they do, it will cost 500 euros. Anka's outvoted about bringing a chest, and Soy and Daniel do rock, paper, scissors to decide who wins, on the condition that they share whatever's inside with the three of them. Soy wins, and they cost the group 500 euros. Yura and Nabil offer to let Renomi take her chest, as she didn't have a chance at an advantage before, costing another 500. And the final stop for day 11 is their accommodation, and they get a little cottage to stay in together. Soy can sleep in the dog bed. Yeah. Now, I know I said something quite similar to you, last week when we were discussing how lame this road trip was and how it definitely wasn't two days worth of road trip. Yep. The place where the lame car stopped, we know where it was. Yep. And it is only two and a half hours drive from the Lord Milner Hotel in Matchesfontein. And it's even closer to the test location. It is indeed. I was gonna I was gonna tell you that because the Patat restaurant where they have their evening meal and where Yora gets spooked by the fact that they're having ostrich, is literally down the road from the Kango Caves. Yep, it's 16 minutes away. So I have n- no idea how it took them two days to do that. Well, I presume looking at the map, they then sent them all the way like into the mountains again and then back around. But still. Yeah. Even then, you know, you assume they could have found a field somewhere. Like It's not like any of these needed specific landscapes for the challenges. And Yura, Nabil, and Renomi discuss suspicions. Nabil and Renomi are on Daniel, but Yura is on Soy. He's a dangerous rascal. None of them really suspect Anka, contradicting exactly what Nabil said at the test. But nobody does in the group, and that's a bit suspicious too. Yura is also spooked by eating ostrich, and I'll say that it is very tasty, and the bloke serving the ostrich was hilarious. That's the funniest bit of this episode. I saw the ostriches outside. I think it's a nephew. <laughs> We get Yora telling him that he's very mean. But yeah, where they stayed, and I don't know where the good car stayed, but I think it was probably fairly nearby, is just outside of the infamous town of Utsorn, which I've talked about many times on this podcast. It's famous for its ostriches. It's basically the ostrich capital of the world. It's where I fed ostriches. They have quite a large maze nearby. See, it's not actually that nearby, that. It's kind of halfway between Utsorn and, uh, and Cape Town. It's definitely in the wrong direction. If it is the same maze, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But Utsorn is also famous for being the end point of the Don't Sleep in the Caravan Challenge for Demolbelkia. Oh. And in fact, the end point of that assignment was literally across the road from where I stayed in Utsorn. No way. You've never mentioned that on the podcast before. I know. I, I don't like to repeat the same stories over and over and over again. But on a nah. uh, related note, did you know I went to the uh, uh, Mulfinale in 2019? 
Oh. Yeah, I had to stand for five hours. It wasn't my favourite experience in the world. No. That's all right. You should have brought a chair. I actually should have. I should have bought one for 500 euros. <laughs> so on day 12, it is Daddy Daniel and Daddy Soy in the front and Little Anchor in the back of their car. And their first assignment of the day is very simple. By putting their heads in the sand, they need to work out which of the five ostriches appears most in the holes behind them, and therefore which egg contains the money. We find out that Nabil looks youthful because of water and not coffee, booze or soda. And in the holes in the ground, there are more ostrich pictures, which must be described to whoever's at the board. The loser group find a field with ostrich eggs set up and a bow and arrow. In one egg is the money, and the more that they hit, the more chance that they have to earn the arrows. They just have to catch them as they're thrown through the air, hitting them in the face. This seemed unwise. Like, I I know they had, you know, padding on the edge of the arrows to stop it from going straight through your skull. But holy shit, how did they do this without complaints? Yeah, Soy gets clocked in the face by an arrow like he's on the challenge. Yeah. Although they're not stupid enough to use golf balls, at least. No. And the arrows are just shot over the fence, and every time Yora almost catches something, he screams. And the head in the sand group pick number one, and there is absolutely nothing inside. And Anchor berates them for being hasty. The archery group have 15 minutes total to catch and shoot, and when they decide to shoot, no more will be available to catch until they've finished shooting. And you can actually see the money hanging out of the right egg in the B-roll close-up that we get of the X. Hmm. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I didn't spot it until um, I went back looking for banners yesterday, but you can definitely see a note hanging out of uh, out of the right egg. So if they'd actually looked closely enough, they probably would have worked out which one they needed to actually shoot. That makes it even more irritating that Euro basically told them to aim for the right-hand side when it was like the second one on the left. Yeah. Was it just me, or was like the, the symbol challenge really, really easy and really, really frustrating to watch both groups completely fail at? Of course it was, but most importantly, it just gave me loads of puns to have people on the knees with stuff in their mouths. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised Yura was so bad at arching his back. You know as well as I do that Yura did at least hear our clip last week. There's a non-zero chance that he will hear this podcast. Oh, I know. Hello, Yura. So Nabil and Yura knock an egg off each, giving them a one in three chance of winning. However, they obviously still don't. The second stop for the head in the sand group is yet more chess and the question is in a slightly different order. Daniel isn't really receptive to Anchor taking your own chest, but he lets her do his anyway. When his team arrive at the chest, Yura says that the text is exactly the same. Nabil takes his, and it's another 500 euros from the pot. Have we gone past Renomi being like, on vacation I always like to go down a road and see where we end up? Yeah, I skipped over that because it was weird. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was that one time she ended up in a field that just had the word mobile cues moan into it. I mean, I know you're joking, but I would probably put money on her having at least visited that farm. Oh, probably. It was visible on Google Maps for about five years, that. Yeah. I think it only disappeared in about 2020, 2021. And I love how Yura's like, oh, there's always one challenge that makes everyone look silly and this is it. Meanwhile, you know, Gilda Costa and half of Belgium are like, wow, only one challenge? One challenge? Yeah. And of course, if he's not the mole, he doesn't know that the next episode they're going to be going through the the largest hedge maze in the uh, in the southern hemisphere, wearing balloons on the back. Oh. So the head in the sand team find the archery challenge, and Soy gets clocked in the head. Daniel proves to be good at catching, so he keeps catching while Soy shoots. Soy gets one in his second shot as Daniel catches one with one hand. And the other group find the head in the sand assignments, and they have the unique tactic of putting the torch between their teeth. 
With 30 seconds to go, Soy knocks down a fifth egg. He misses with his final shot, but they do find the 1,000 euro note in an egg that Daniel overlooked. Renomi comes up with the plan of eliminating ostriches based on the odds of what she's seen already. They also pick egg one, and it's empty too. And they reunite at the Kango Caves, a mere 202 kilometers from where they started. And both teams chose two chests, and Rick confirms that they earned absolutely nothing of 6,000 euros for the episode, and 6,800 euros of 36,250 for the season so far. What a waste. Yeah, this episode was so bad. Yeah, this is a wheel-spinny episode. Yeah. And, you know, this is after we've just had basically two wheel-spinny episodes in a row. Like, I I saw on one of the Dutch websites, like, you know how they always say, follow the money? Basically, aside from the little bit they won in the church and Renomi in the crepe maze, none of these people have won anything in about four episodes. Yeah, I can believe that. Because even, like, Daniel's doubling the money last week, that's already basically zero. Yeah. Given all the performance that, that we've seen since. So he also gives everyone with a chest their keys, and they unlock themselves a chair for the execution. Yora and Daniel didn't buy a chest, and there is no place for them at execution, so they are through to episode 7. It is now time for the second part of the test, five more questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Yura and Daniel are both in shock, as it's the first time all season they haven't chosen for themselves. Anka says she's already had a lot of excitement, but her heart is pounding now. She doesn't want to go home, and she used her yoga before, so hopefully that will get her through. Renomi sees a question about the license plates, but she can't remember which way around it is, and she does her last five based on probability. Sly says it's pure gambling, gambling and a little gambling on what he expects that the molded on the other team. And Nabil says he has to keep taking risks, he doesn't regret any of his decisions, he's taking a chance, he's not picking someone else because of the situation, but sticking to his guns. I was surprised... Renomi didn't get the license plate one because I thought it was pretty easy. Because like I looked at them, there was only like a couple of letters different. But Yuriga Look was in the car with the license plate that had JG on it. Yeah. The interesting thing is that the license plates were from Gauteng, oh. where they're very much not going. No, that's way over near Johannesburg, isn't it? Yeah, because I think the GP at the end of the license plate stands for Gauteng Province. Hmm. I will say the reveal of the chairs is pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's much closer to Belkia blowing up the chairs than Alex Wagner limply telling one team they pushed their button first and won exemptions. Yeah, it is hilarious, the sort of look of, oh, you fuckers have completely and utterly destroyed us here. Yeah. It's it's just nice to have like a good Nietzsche's-what-it-liked moment again. We haven't really had one for a while. Yeah. like I think the last one was the fake Joker at the start of Czechia. Because I don't remember any last year. It's incredibly convenient that the two people who were probably most suspicious in this episode are the ones who didn't buy their chairs. Yeah. Because regardless of your feelings on Daniel, he was pretty sus in this episode. Oh, yeah. So Rick says that the execution is happening with less people than they expected, and greed is not always rewarded. Renomi gets a green screen and immediately leaves, and Soy's prediction about someone leaving without saying goodbye was correct. Anchor also gets a green screen, leaving my suspected bottom two. And Soy is left sitting there with his mole and suspects that he's going home. He gets a green screen, though, sending Nabil home as he appeared in the season in complete silence. Couple of things. 
firstly, making them carry the chairs to and from the tests is funny, but it's even funnier when you've realised that much like the drive, it's literally about 10 metres away from where they started. So they basically had to take them away, bring them back, take them away, and then bring them back for the elimination execution, whatever we're calling it this week. Yeah. The way they did this twist is deliciously savage. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, perfect level of jackassery. Yeah. The um, other thing that I thought was interesting was we didn't see Soy's green screen. No, we didn't. Which is doubly interesting because apparently the viewer contest they're doing in the Netherlands this season um, is basically like we do with the suspect list, you know, a question each week and you answer whatever the mole was. But the question this week was when did the mole see the green screen? And the, the answers were first, second, or not at all. Which means if, if the mole is soy, they didn't make it possible to answer for him on the viewer contest this week. Yeah. Did you also see that they apologised for the the pool questions? No. There was some sort of issue. It might have even been that question. There's yep. some sort of issue with uh, with one of the questions where they have apologised and said that the points will be calculated at the end of the season for that question, rather oh. than each week. Huh. So Nabil says that he was evidently on the wrong person all along, but stuck to his guns. It exceeded his expectations, and he expected to go home early. It does also mean that, sadly, I have lost my first person. Boo. But, I mean, I hadn't suspected him in weeks, so I'm not that heartbroken, to be honest. Nah. But it does mean that after we joked it last week, obviously Logan was seeing something that we weren't about Nabil. So next time, parasailing and dilemmas, Yora feels a bit guilty, and a last man standing assignment leaves someone with an appointment with the mole. A mole offsprack. It's a good bookend to call back to the mole offsprack, considering the whole chair thing this week calls back to the church challenge last week, where everyone turned up, like, they started the episode with people bringing their chairs in, and now they're ending the episode with people bringing their chairs in. And as we did say, there is a challenge in a hedge maze, Anyone who's seen Belkia, South Africa, probably thought, oh my god, is that the hedge maze? I would say it might be the hedge maze. It is in the wrong direction if it is. It's back towards Cape Town. But having said that, their locations this season do not include Utshorn officially, and pretty much all of the next episode is going to be around Utshorn, I think. Yeah. I had a quick look at the satellite shot of the maze, like the actual, the Belgian maze. And it, it looks like the buildings sort of we see around the outside of the maze here don't match. So I think it might be a different maze. Yeah, because I suspect they're probably going to go more down towards George and down towards the coast by the end of the episode. Yeah. Because we know there's some sort of beachy challenge with, with phones yeah. still in the intro that we haven't seen. But I think most of next episode, they're going to probably claim is near quote-unquote wilderness, but it's actually Utsong. Yeah. I really need next week to be a standalone episode. Yeah, it needs to be a good episode next week. Yeah. Because this week was not. No, because, well, I think part of the problem I'm having with this season is that, like, none of the episodes... I think it's pretty obvious they've got new producers or something this season who don't mind looking at Belgium and Finland and all the other places for, for ideas a little bit more, which is fine, except for the bit that I don't think they've sort of realised how to do it properly. Yeah, it's the old adage about any reboot of a show that I always say, with the exception of Belkia, in that we haven't had a good reboot of The Mole in 10 plus years at this point outside of Belkia, because 
they look at Vidum, they look at Belkia, they go, oh, that's amazing. We're going to recreate that. We know exactly how to do it. And they don't realize the charm of the show. They don't realize what led up to that to make it work. Yeah. Which is basically the mantra of Netflix Bowl, as much as obviously we love to rag on it. Like, they watched Belkia by their own admission, but they didn't realize the charm that was required with the theming of certain challenges. And they stripped it out and made it less fun. Yeah. And I think I think we're sort of getting that this season as well with a lot of the challenges here. But one of the other things that's sort of not working is like I think with Belgia the episodes feel a little bit more like a coherent journey where here, you know, we've had things carry over from episode to episode, like the Sarah elimination, the thing with the cases and now the road trip. But I don't think they've worked out how to do it well. And like We've only really had like one good standalone episode this season out of six. And the other five episodes have sort of been varying degrees of not great. Yeah. So with Nabil going home, I now only have the footbond of Daniel and Anka left. Logan has Renomi and Michelle has Soy and Yora. However, it is the final five. And I discussed this with you last week. You encouraged me that if you're survived the week to steal him off Michelle. So I'm going to, and my team is now going to be Daniel and Yura, leaving Michelle with Anka and Soy. I would like to say I had nothing to do with that. Do not throw me in the oubliette. That is a lie. It might have been after we recorded last week, but you strongly encouraged me to do it to make sure I win. So sorry, Michelle, if you do end up hearing this. You don't know it yet. I've just told you there has been a switch. I've just not told you what. And um, I'm going to get a very angry message off of going, oh, I can't swap it back. No, that's not how it works, Michelle. Yes, but I also remember earlier in this season, I said in episode six, I get to steal five players. Ah, yeah, you did. Good point. Yeah. (laughs) So good news. Everybody's on my team. Everyone's always on your team. So removing Nabil improves my score on first suspicions to 4.82. If you adjust, Logan's is now 3.32 out of five, minus 3.03, and Michelle's is 2.82. However, adding in the switch, my team is now 4.74 unadjusted and 2.97 out of 5 with the adjusted figures. Only one person, which was Femke, had Nabil in last, but our current leader is still Reed with an impressive score of 16 when the minimum is 15. Wow. Six people, Reed, Femke, me, Brig, Katja and Alan, all have scores of 19 or lower. And only one person also had Nabil at number one. And that was James. I point out Reed's lowest score was 16, with a minimum of 15. The current highest score is 35, I think it is. Is it Logan? It is not. I'm not going to say who it is, because I don't want to name and shame. But there is someone with the theoretical maximum score at the moment. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is why I sent you the message yesterday going, oh, wow, at first suspicions. Is it Michelle? I'm not saying. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. Is it you? (laughs) You know it's not me, because I'm under 20. I don't know that you're not cheating. You'll know when I start doing badly, because I won't start mentioning who's under a particular benchmark, because it still includes me. What am I on? You're on 24. That's not too bad. I'm on 18, Michelle is on 22, Logan's on 25. The order is now Yura, Anka, Soy, Renomi and Daniel, swap from last week. And as of Sunday evening, and thank you to Holgamat for actually recording these for me so I didn't have to find them, 
Yura is now the most suspected person by the Netherlands with 26%, followed by Soy on 20, Daniel on 19, Renomi on 18, and Anka on 70. And you can do the Bothers Bar suspect list each week at suspectlist.rtvwarriors.com or at the link in our bio. Who do you suspect? Dare I ask? I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to copy Yura straight down now. Yeah, it's Yura. I, I just can't see it being anyone else at this point. Yeah. Like, it's not that I'm, you know, looking at Yura and saying, oh, he's doing this, 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 and this, and this. It's that I'm looking at the other people and, you know, not seeing anything out of Soy, not seeing anything out of Renomi. I think, you know, Daniel and Anka may be doing, like, little bits and pieces, but not enough to be consistent as a mole. Especially Daniel, who's basically made half the pot on his own. Um, meanwhile, you know, Yura's losing money left, right, and centre. So, Yura first. Maybe Anka second, because I don't think she really did anything in this episode to help them win the money in any of the challenges. Daniel third, because, like, I think... I think Daniel was probably doing that thing where like, they try and win a little bit of money knowing that there's a pot drain coming out. Yeah. I'll be honest, that's my suspicion as well, is that if Daniel is the mole, that he's just doing the, oh, I'm going to win loads of money because I know it's not going to stay in the pot. Yeah. And like this is season 23. That is boring by now. Like, Just give me somebody who just doesn't want to win the money in the first place and then don't yeah. have the pot drain. Like, I'm, I'm sick of waiting half a season, watching them actually do good for once and then just having a code of shit halfway through. Yeah, which has happened, what, five in a row now, is it? Well, three episodes in a row now they've had pot drain challenges. Because we had, you know, the cases that luckily they didn't lose any money in for once. They had the sec- they had the haunted house last week and then they had the chest this week. Like, I swear to God, if they find some sort of way to make them lose money in that maze next week... Which, you know, this show, they probably will. Yeah, I, I sent you the message when I started watching the episode yesterday just going, fuck producers for constantly stopping them earning money. Just let them earn money for once. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care if you have to make them, like, the challenges worth less money so you end up at the same amount. But, like, I'm sick of, you know, thinking, oh, they might, you know, be almost competent for once. Like, you look at, you know, Bell here, you look at, even the even the US version, like even Netflix Mall, as bad as it was, only really had the one pot drain. And that was sort of close enough to the start of the season that did it didn't make a difference. But they're just so cheap with the prizes. How could they only earn a maximum of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars when it should be a million at least? So where are you placing Renomi and Soy? Because they're the two you've you've left out so far. Um Oh, that's right. I was in the middle of something, wasn't I? <laughs> you were. I, I interrupted. My apologies. Yeah. No, that's all right. <laughs> I got emotional about something, which is more than I can say about the rest of the preceding hour. I would probably put Renomi above Soy. Or, you know, more suspicious than Soy. I think Renomi sort of is making more money than Soy. But I also think, you know, she's doing like little sneaky things where soy is not doing a lot of anything um and that's that thing with the contest this week i think if soy was the mole they would have made damn sure they came up with a question that had him as an answer i'm prepared to rule soy out just just based on that stupid question honestly yeah so nabil as with every eliminated player or every execute player did a like diary of the loser on the website yep. 
and usually they're quite tame. Nabil's wasn't. He confirmed oh. he got a green screen in the uh, in the winery challenge, which means it's either Daniel or Soy who got the red screen. Well, it clearly wasn't Daniel, so it must have been Soy. Yeah, given that this week we had Daniel's suspicion of Yora actually mm. be vocalised for the first time, I suspect that Soy was the one with the red screen. Yeah. Which confirms what we thought three weeks ago. You know what's interesting about the uh, elimination so far? Aside from that? that one in episode four, where you know they all, everyone saw their results, we haven't seen Daniel get his screen all season. That's interesting. Are they doing a Craig Silky on him? Hmm. Uh, so my order is probably unsurprisingly Yora, then Daniel, and then Anchor, Soy, and Renomi. It's a hundred percent not Renomi. It's a hundred percent not Soy. Assuming that Daniel didn't get the red screen, which he, he didn't. Anchor has, for the first time, dropped out of my top suspicions because she felt like a contestant this week. Yeah. To me. Daniel and Yora, both of them, in their separate cars, did the exact same tactic with the chess, which was just kind of sit back and let other people mess up their games. And that's exactly how you want them all to play that, I think, is you let them just sit back, know that the money's going to come out of the pot, but also, more importantly, you are not a factor in the execution if you don't have your chair. Mm. And the major complaint about stuff like the Elba Challenge or stuff like the Josh Train game is the fact that because the mole, through a series of their own fuck-ups, was someone who was allegedly sitting the test, that skewed the odds far more and made it much more unfair for the contestants actually facing them. Yora and Daniel both kind of sat back and thought, oh, I'm not going to take an advantage this time, because it then removes the mole from the process. And we had Anchor deliberately calling attention to Daniel not checking all the eggs correctly, and potentially missing a thousand euros. You had Daniel just doing some weird stuff throughout the rest of the episode. And also, he didn't really have her back at that second chess thing. So he is far more suspicious than he has been this week. And then, obviously, you know, all signs are pointing to Yora, as we said last week, sadly. Yeah. So I've got you over to the dark side. Yeah, I really, really, really want to be wrong, but I don't think I am now. I think it's interesting that, like, as, as much as, you know, we were just talking about how, well, they've probably got new producers this season, I'm wondering if they've got new editors as well. I think it's more likely they've got new editors than producers, to be honest. Because, like, you know, as obvious as we think Yura has been, they haven't really had anyone, you know, actually say, oh, Yura did this or Yura did that until this week, where everyone else, you know, like, they were constantly saying, oh, Nabil fucked up here. But, you know, Yura's managed to escape the limelight, and I'm wondering whether the editors this season sort of think that is enough to hide the fact that he's probably, if he is the mole, one of the most obvious moles I have ever seen. Yeah. Final question then, who do you think's going home next week? Well, I think it's either Soy or Renomi. I think it's going to depend on how Soy changed his answers after he got the red screen, because I'm assuming he sort of, what happened this week was he got the red screen in episode four, changed his answers, and then realised maybe whoever, I can't remember who he suspected in episode four, but then he maybe changed to someone who was in the right car or something, so they got some of the answers right. And that, that would have, you know, just got him over Nabil. If 
Renomi is on Soy, like she said she was, then most of her answers would have been wrong because Soy wasn't in Yura's car. So maybe Nabil only lost on time if Renomi was still is on Soy. So depending on who Soy changed his answers to, that's probably going to change who gets eliminated next week. So I think the implication was because he said that he's in the bottom two with his mole that he swapped to Nabil. Because yeah. in episode four, he said he's entering the test on false suspects, but when he sees the questions, he's tempted to enter a tunnel. He's asked if the mole opened a box, and while Renomi was there, he trusts Yora, so says no. Yeah, I don't know. I think probably 80% Soy, 20% Renomi. Yeah, my suspicion is that it's going to be Soy, because he was pretty much DOA this episode, I think. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a big loss. Like, I like Soy, and he seemed, you know, um, a lot more open this episode than he has been in the past. But honestly, if he goes next week, it's not a big loss to the season. Like, even Renomi's sort of come out of her shell the last couple of weeks to the point where, like, if she makes Final Four, I'm not going to be angry about it. I do think it was deliciously savage that they did include that confessional from Renomi going, oh, Nabil's been so upfront for the rest of the season, but he's now fading into the background. And I'm like, hmm, really? Well, compared to her. Anything else to say after this wonderful episode? No, I'm going to go and yell at somebody else about the about the pot drones. Old man yells at pot drones. Uh-huh. You know, I'll just stick my head in the sand and just yell whoever's down there. So, thank you for listening to our Views to Mole 2023 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new mole in South Africa. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are TV Warriors, or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Bindles is on Twitter at the Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Please be better next week. Me or the show? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>